Hey kids, welcome to Papa's Bible Stories. For each episode, I pick a Bible story to talk to my kids about. I have a beautiful son, Jacob, who is nine, and a beautiful daughter, Leah, who is six. And these stories are for them. But even though these stories are for my kids, Jacob, Leah, and I would love it if you decided to join us. What do you say? Let's get started. Okay, so today's episode is going to be a bonus episode, and it's going to be a little different. First of all, this episode is not going to be a story like usual. Today, we are going to explore a topic. You see, while there are lots and lots of stories in the Bible, the Bible isn't just stories. Lots of things in the Bible are more like topics or ideas. And sometimes in order to understand a story properly, we need to understand a topic first, which is the reason for today's bonus episode. Second of all, for this particular topic, someone is going to help me. A special guest, a very special guest, actually. It's someone whom I've known for a very long time now, someone whom I see every day. She's an expert in the topic we are going to be talking about. And more than that, she's the mother of you kidzos. Please allow me to formally introduce you to your very own mama. Hello, mama. And welcome to Papa's Bible Stories. Well, hello there, and thank you for having me. All right, Mama. So for today's bonus episode, we want to learn more about a particular topic. You see, in our last episode, God had just given the Israelites the Ten Commandments and the judgments. God had come down on the mountain in fire. The whole mountain was billowing with smoke. There was lightning and thunder. And that's when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments and the judgments. Once that had happened, Moses came down the mountain and they sacrificed some oxen and they made an official covenant. And as far as we can tell, all that happened in a short time, maybe a day or maybe a little bit more than that. But then right after that, God calls Moses back up the mountain and then he's up there talking to God for 40 more days. That's more than a month. And this thing that happened in this 40 days is what we could use your help with, Mama. So, what were Moses and God talking about up there for 40 long days? Well, during those 40 days, God was showing and teaching Moses how to build a tabernacle and all that would be involved in this tabernacle. I see, a tabernacle. Well, that's not a word that we use very often, Mama, tabernacle. So maybe you can help us out here. What is a tabernacle anyway? Well, the word itself means that it's a place to meet or a dwelling place. But specifically here, it was to be a place where God would meet his people and where he would live among them in the middle of the camp. I see. So it's a a tabernacle is like a place to meet, if that's what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So, but what 
specifically did God tell Moses about this particular tabernacle? Well, God told Moses a lot of things, but he told him what the tabernacle was supposed to look like. And he did it by showing him a pattern. We don't know exactly how he showed it to Moses, but it was a pattern that had details similar to the drawings that builders use to build things even today. This pattern included measurements, materials that they were supposed to use, and how they were going to gather these materials. Okay, so God was spending some time showing or telling Moses what this tabernacle was specifically supposed to look like. So based on this pattern or this plan that God is uh, showing Moses, what was the tabernacle supposed to look like? Well, since we are talking about it and you can't look at any pictures right now, we're going to work our way from the outside and work our way in. So first, if you were outside, you would be looking at a rectangular white fence all around the outside. And this white fence was made up of linen, which is a type of cloth. And it comes from the flax plant. So it was to be 150 feet long by 75 feet wide. If we were to use something common to, to compare it to, we could say it was four school buses long and two school buses wide. It was to be seven and a half feet tall, which is about the height of most doors today. So this is a big fence all around. And on the east end of the fence, there was to be a gate or an entry where um, it was also had a gate made of linen, colored blue, purple, and scarlet. And when you walk through this gate, you entered the first part of the tabernacle called the outer court. And once you were inside the outer court, you would see some furnishings. The first thing you would see would be the altar of burnt sacrifice. This altar was similar to a large square table, about seven and a half feet long by seven and a half feet wide. And it was made of wood, but covered in bronze. And it had horns on each of its corners. And in the middle of the table, instead of it being a table, it was a grate. Maybe something you would see on a barbecue. And this was where sacrifices were to be offered. Now, if you kept walking past the altar of burnt sacrifice, the next thing you would see was something called the laver. And the laver was like a big bowl or basin. And inside the bowl was some water. And it was to be made of a solid piece of bronze. And this was for washing of hands and feet before entering the next part of the tabernacle. I see, I see. So... If you're approaching the tabernacle, you'd see this white rectangular fence, okay, made out of linen, and then uh, to get into this uh, tavern, to this fence, this this area would be a gate, uh, and then you would, if you stepped through the gate, you'd see something called this altar of burnt sacrifice, made out of bronze, and then if you kept going past that, you would see something called this laver, which was basically a bowl, a big bowl of water, also made out of bronze. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so if you kept walking past the laver, what would you see next? So you would be coming close 
to the tabernacle of meeting. So this was more special than the area before. Uh, It was also called the sanctuary. And the tabernacle of meeting was like a tent and it measured 45 feet by 15 feet wide, which is actually pretty close to a school bus in its entirety, but a little bit wider. And it was to be 15 feet high, which was taller than the linen fence. Remember, the linen fence was seven and a half feet tall. So it made it so you could see the top of the tabernacle of meeting from anywhere in the camp. And the roof was made up of four different layers of different materials, and it would protect the tent. Now, once you move towards the tabernacle of meeting, okay, so we're in front of the laver, we're coming to the front of this tent. There there was a door made of linen, and it was threaded with blue, purple, and scarlet, similar to the gate, but it had designs of angels on it. Once you went through the door, you were in the first apartment, the holy place. Now, this place was beautiful, and it had walls and pillars of plated gold and had three articles of furniture, each one having a specific purpose. On the north side, or the right side as you entered, was a table of showbread. It was a small table made of wood, but it was overlaid with gold. It was to hold 12 cakes of bread separated into two piles, And it was supposed to be there continually all the time. On the south end, or the left side, was the seven-branched lampstand, which was made of one piece of solid gold. It was beautifully sculpted with designs of almond blossoms or flowers, with seven branches, one in the middle and three on each side. And it was to burn oil to produce its light. And it was to shine its light in the holy place day and night, and it served as the light in that room. Directly in between the table of showbread and the lampstand was the altar of incense. This was also wooden, but covered with gold. And it was similar to what we have today as a church pulpit. And it would have four horns on each end, just like the altar of burnt sacrifice. This altar was for burning incense and also a place of prayer. Incense is something that you burn that as it burns, it produces a smoke that is filled with a sweet smell. So there was to be incense burning there before the Lord continually. Right in front of the altar of incense was the veil, which separated the holy place from the most holy place. And the veil was similar to the door of the tabernacle, but was even more beautiful than it. It also had blue, purple, and scarlet linen with angels stitched into it, but it was slightly shorter than the apartment itself, which meant that the smoke from the incense would rise up in front of the veil and would fill both the holy and the most holy place. Okay, Mama, so that's quite a lot of information that you just went through with us. So let me just make sure that I understand everything that you're saying. Sure. Okay, so so if you kept walking past the laver, 
uh, you would see the tabernacle of meeting, basically a tent. That's correct? right. Okay, and that tent had a door or like a uh, an entrance to it that was uh, of linen. Of linen, so a fabric. That's right. Uh, that w- that had angels on it. That's right. And then when you went inside of the tent, you would see three pieces of furniture. Yes. Uh, on the right would have been the table of showbread, which is a table with bread on it. That's right. And on the left would have been the lampstand, and in the center would have been the altar of incense. Is That's that all correct. right? Okay. And all these things inside the tent were made out of gold. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. All right. I think I got it. You know, I'm noticing a pattern here, Mama. As we're kind of progressing through the tabernacle, things seem to be getting more and more special as we go along. Like, the gate. When we came through the first gate to get into the outer court, to get to the altar of uh, the altar of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Thank you. That that was just like a regular gate. And then when we go into the gate to get into the tent, into the tabernacle of meeting, that one has angels on it. And so we keep getting more and more fancy. Uh, same thing with the the furniture. Like the first thing you run into is the altar of sacrifice, uh, which is made out of bronze and the laver is made out of bronze. But then as soon as you go into the tabernacle of meeting, the tabernacle of meeting, that it's everything's made out of gold. That's correct. And as you said, the tabernacle of meeting is actually divided into two different rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. So it's, right. it seems like as we're going along, things are getting more and more fancy, more and more special. And we haven't even talked about this last destination in the, in the tent. So tell us, Mama, what is in this most holy place in the tabernacle of meeting? Well. It must be like extra, extra special. I mean, it sounds like it would have been a very beautiful and sacred room. Because it too had the gold-plated walls and it had only one article of furniture inside. And this was the most special article of all of the things that had been leading up to it. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so we've heard this word Ark before. If the kids will remember, we talked about an Ark way back when we talked about the story of Noah. Noah and his family and all the animals and birds and insects and all that went into an ark. And the ark is what saved them from the flood. So we learned back then that an ark is something to keep something safe or something to preserve something. So is that what this thing is too, this ark of the covenant? Well... This Ark of the Covenant was to preserve something, but it was not a boat. It was a storage chest, and it held something very important inside as well as on top of it. So let's talk about what was on the inside first. Now, you haven't talked about these in your episodes yet, so I'll just mention them. There were to be the Ten Commandments on the Tablets of Stone, which represented the Covenant, A bowl with manna, which represented God's providing for Israel, and Aaron's rod that budded. Now, all of these things were stored inside and had a cover. 
Now, uh, also, this ark wasn't as large as Noah's ark. It was only three and a half feet long, but it was to be made of wood. This time, this ark was overlaid with gold, just like in the other apartment, both inside and outside. And the cover or the top of the ark was called the mercy seat. And it was to be one solid piece of gold that covered the chest and had two golden angels carved, one standing uh, on each end that had four wings, two of those wings pointing to one another and two of those wings folded down over their body. And those angels were both to be looking down towards the mercy seat. Now, above the mercy seat was the second thing that the ark would hold. And that was where God would dwell. When God was in the most holy place on top of the mercy seat, the light of his presence would light up and reflect on the walls of the most holy place and even into the holy place. What a beautiful scene it must have been. However, is not something that many people would get to see. I see, I see. So, wow, it, it really does get more and more special as you kind of head through, through the tabernacle. Because right at the very end of your journey is God himself. That's right. Okay, so that's the tabernacle. And man, that is a lot of detail. And I can really see why it took Moses so long up on the mountain, 40 days to get all that down and write all that down. That's, that's quite a lot. So now that we know all about the tabernacle that God wanted Moses to build, let's talk about the purpose of the tabernacle. Why did God want these things to be built? Were they just supposed to be like a nice place for the Israelites to visit? Maybe like like a museum or something like that? Or maybe there was something more to it? There was something more to it. Not only was the tabernacle to be a meeting place with God, and the dwelling place for God, but it was to be the place where offerings and sacrifices were offered. Now, back in episode three, the kidzos learned about how people could make offerings. Back then, God gave Adam and Eve and all their children and descendants this way of saying sorry when they did bad things. And they did this by killing a lamb or a baby goat, on an altar, and then burning it. And the purpose of this was to show just how horrible sin was and also to give them hope by pointing them to the future where one day someone innocent, just like a lamb, would be sacrificed for all of us and save us. Someone who would save us from this constant repetition of sin and death. Now, when the offerings were put into place, every family was able to do these sacrifices for themselves on their own altar. So, Mama, has something changed? Are the sacrifices being moved from the family altar somehow to the tabernacle? Yes, they were. They would still bring an offering to the Lord, but now they were going to bring it to the outer court of the tabernacle. The way in which they were going to be offered was also going to be changed, 
and there was going to be new services and new offerings made. Before, they would have brought what was called a burnt offering of a young goat or a lamb to the Lord for their sins or their wrongdoing, or to worship the Lord. Now, there would be specific offerings for different purposes. There was to be a grain offering to thank the Lord for providing, a peace offering for peace between groups of people, a sin offering and a trespass offering for certain sins that were committed. And some offerings required different animals, including cattle, pigeons, or doves. And as you can tell, not all of these offerings were to be animals, but included grain, drink, and oil at times. There were specific instructions given for these offerings, but these were not given in the 40 days on Mount Sinai, but later. So we won't go into all the detail, just to know that there were many changes made. Okay, yeah, that is a lot of changes. So let me ask, Mama, who would be taking care of all these services? Would the heads of the family still be taking care of the sacrifices like before, just not on their own altar? They would be going into the, into the tabernacle? Or was something changing there too? Well, so you're right. These services were not to be done by the heads of families anymore, but by the high priest and the priests or the priesthood. On Mount Sinai, God selected Aaron, Moses' brother, as the first high priest. And his four sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, as priests, along with this specific tribe. But I won't say who, since I believe you're going to cover that in your next episode. God even told Moses what they were to wear on Mount Sinai. The priests were to wear a robe of white linen, similar to the fence, uh, with a belt around the waist of white linen rope that had the blue, scarlet, and purple on the rope. And they wore a white linen turban or hat. The high priest, on the other hand, had an extra special outfit that only he would wear. And he was to have a few layers. So the first layer was the same as the priest's, a white linen robe. But on top of it was a shorter robe of blue that had little golden bells and shapes of pomegranates, which is a kind of fruit, on the bottom of the skirt. The sound of the bells would remind the people of the high priest at work in the tabernacle. On his chest, there was something that was like an apron called an ephod that was made of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and white. And it had two stones that sat on the shoulders of the high priest. And these stones on the shoulders had the names of the 12 tribes of Israel written on them. Then hanging from these two stones was something called a breastplate. This breastplate was a square piece of double-lined fabric that had 12 different stones with the name of a tribe on each stone. And the double-lined fabric created this pocket uh, just behind the stones that would hold another two stones, the Urim and the Thummim. These two stones, the Urim and the Thummim, would be used sometimes when the high priest needed direction from the Lord. The high priest would ask God a question. He would reach into his pocket behind his breastplate. And if a light started to shine around the Urim, the answer was yes. 
And if there was a cloud or a shadow on the thuman, then the answer was no. This was one of the ways God would speak to the high priest. Now, the priest also would have a belt of colors around his, his waist that um, had red, blue, and scarlet. And he also wore a white linen turban or hat that had holiness unto the Lord written in gold on his forehead. Wow, now that seems like quite the, the outfit that these guys were wearing. All kinds of layers and colors and bells and special stones and, and a hat. Well, only one would wear all those layers, the high priest. Ah, interesting, interesting. So let me ask you, Mama, what would these priests be responsible for? Like, what would they be doing in the tabernacle? Well, the priests were responsible for many things, and we can't cover it all. And most of what was given to them as tasks was not given on Mount Sinai. So we'll just go into it briefly here. The priests were responsible for replenishing the bread on the table of showbread in the holy place, and they did that every Sabbath. They were to add oil to the lampstand so that it would not stop shining in the holy place. They would bring incense to the altar of incense, and they did many other things like keep water in the laver and so forth. However, something they did not do was the fire for the altar of burnt sacrifice came directly from the Lord, and it stayed burning continually. The fire for the altar of incense was also to come from the altar of burnt sacrifice, and it was also from the Lord. So the only time any of these items would stop burning was when the camp was moving and the tabernacle was disassembled for carrying, which the priests were responsible for. Yes, and I think that that little detail there about where the fire came from for the altar of incense might be important for a future episode. Excellent. Now, the priests took care of two kinds of services. So this is kind of their job. They took care of the daily services, which happened every day, and a yearly service, which happened once a year. The daily service included the five offerings we mentioned, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin and the trespass offering. And the daily services were to begin and finish with a special burnt offering. Every morning and evening at twilight, there was an offering of an unblemished lamb on the altar of burnt sacrifice. And this was also done with an offering of incense in the holy place at the altar of incense. And both of these were to burn throughout the day and night. And this was a very special time in the camp. It was a time for all Israel to give their heart to the Lord and to worship him similar to how we do morning and evening worship as a family. There were no sins put on this lamb because this offering covered the sins of the people that would be placed on the altar for that day. It would also commit the tabernacle to God day and night and make it so that God could dwell among them. So, then the rest of the day, people would bring offerings for sin or for grain, or for peace. And the priest would help in that. So let's say a person would come in to offer for sin. The person would bring a lamb or a goat or other animals as instructed by the Lord, and they would place their hands on the forehead of the animal 
and confess their sin. Then they would kill the animal, but it was the priest who would take the animal from there to the altar of burnt sacrifice and would also collect the blood of the animal. And this blood would be sprinkled in various parts of the tabernacle, including around the altar of burnt sacrifice, the horns on the altar of incense in the holy place, or the veil in between the holy place and the most holy place. And this was to represent the sins of the people being placed or given to the tabernacle. Now, as all of the burnt and sin offerings were being made every day, the blood from all the animals kept being sprinkled inside the holy place, which meant that the sin kept on building up in the tabernacle. And to deal with all this sin, that's what the yearly service was for. And this yearly service was called the Day of Atonement. Or you can think of it as at-one-ment, where God wanted to be one with his people. On this day, there was a special service where, while all the Israelites were prayerfully thinking about what was going on in the tabernacle, the high priest would go into the most holy place. This was the only time that anyone ever went into the most holy place, this one day a year. And he would take all the sins that had built up in the tabernacle and he would place them on a special goat. And then that goat was sent alone into the wilderness. Now, there's a lot more to this service than that, but you should know that this service, the Day of Atonement, had a lot of meaning and still has a lot of meaning for us today. But maybe we could talk about that in another episode in the future. Maybe we will, Mama. Wow, it does really seem like the priests took care of a lot. Like there's a lot of different kinds of things going on in the tabernacle. And, you know, so many details about what things were made out of and what things looked like and how big they were or how small they were supposed to be and all these different purposes. It does seem like there's quite a lot of stuff going on in the tabernacle. Okay, so now our last and final question. Why is God going through all this trouble to give them this tabernacle and all these services? When you read about the tabernacle and all the services and all the detailed building instructions and the details about the priests and what they were supposed to wear, there's so many details and so many different things going on. What is the purpose of all this? Why was God going through all this trouble? Well, to put it plainly, sin and God do not go together. In the physical presence of God, sin cannot be present. So if God was truly to dwell or live among the Israelites, there needed to be a way for any sin to be separated and covered and eventually removed from the camp. The services of the tabernacle and the ministry of the high priest were designed to do exactly that. And that's what made it so that God could dwell among them. Now, the other thing is, is that everything that was built and everything that was done in the tabernacle had great meaning and importance. And they all pointed forward to the innocent lamb of God who would one day die for their sins 
and serve as their high priest in the heavenly tabernacle, of which this tabernacle was a copy of. And all of this would happen so that God could one day be fully reunited with his people after sin would be brought to an end. Wow, Mama, that is really quite something. That reminds me, actually, of the second episode where we talked about how God gave the promise to Adam and Eve that one day sin would be dealt with. It's like this whole tabernacle thing is also pointing in the same direction. That's quite deep and quite interesting. Okay, Mama, that was very, very helpful. And thanks so much for helping Papa out for this little topic here. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge on this interesting topic so that we can better understand the stories that are going to be coming up soon uh, on the podcast. One actual last and final question. (laughs) Do you think we're going to see you again, Mama, in a future bonus episode? Well, I would love to come back and talk about this again sometime. All right, kidzos, that's it for this one. I hope you guys enjoyed this deep dive into this topic of the tabernacle. In the next episode, Moses is finally going to come down the mountain to share all of these amazing details with the Israelites. But he's going to find that things have gone slightly sideways since he's been gone. But until then, to all the kids tuning in, I hope you have an awesome day, God be with you, and I hope we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.